Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Welcome back, everybody, to the Single to Sealed podcast. It is a comfortable 73 degrees with slight humidity here in the Scott closet. <laughs> I don't know about slight, but it's it's humid in here. <laughs> <laughs> We're right under the, right. the heater vent, so it gets pretty hot in here. <laughs> Um, perfect. Well, we're so excited to be back for another episode. We have the most exciting guest here with us today. We are so thrilled to have him on. Please welcome to our podcast, Todd Sylvester. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Just to give our listeners a little background on you, I'm going to read a short bio and this is a little bit about Todd. So Todd Sylvester is the founder of Todd Sylvester Inspires, where he is a mentor and coach for people all over the world. As a mentor and mindset coach, he has helped thousands of people find joy in their lives again. Just to list a few of the amazing things about Todd, he is a founder of a nonprofit called Drug Free That's Me, an author of a number one bestseller book called I Am Recovered, and a popular ebook called It Is Time to Start Living. He's a podcast host of a highly successful podcast called Belief Cast and a featured story in The Hope of God's Light, which is a Mormon message, and in a book by Simon Sinek called Find Your Why. Today, Todd uses his firsthand fight against addiction to give hope to thousands of teenagers, young adults, and parents who he connects with on an authentic level. Todd has been married to his sweetheart for 28 years. They have four children and one granddaughter and live a happy, busy life together. I couldn't be more proud to have someone with such an awesome bio on the podcast. So, Todd, do you have anything else that you'd like to add to that? Well, thank you. That was very well said. And uh, I would add this, that I actually have a, a, a grandson on his way. So uh, we're, my daughter's going to have another kid in, in August. So we're excited for that. And uh, but no, you guys, you know, you guys said it well, and I'm just grateful to you know, have these experiences that I can maybe share with your listeners today that will help them, you know, not only find joy in life, but uh, to you know, step through the minefield of being single at times and and finding you know a life partner and being sealed. Thank you so much, and congratulations on the grandson. That's very exciting. We have Thank two you. little ones, so they're a lot <laughs> of fun. I'm sure you're enjoying them a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and go forward with our topic. So Todd, why don't you go ahead and introduce the topic that we're going to be talking about today? So the, the topic, uh, I mean, again, your your podcast is called From Single to Be, to Sealed, right? And so um, I, I think what I want to do is talk about how um, our belief systems can really shape whether, you know, whether we enjoy or experience something good when we're dating or, you know, moving forward and getting married. I, I deal with a lot of clients who come and see me over the years. I mean, I've been doing this for 31 years and I get a lot of people who are frustrated and struggling trying to find their way through this, you know, be, you know, being single and, and believing that they'll never find anyone. And uh, it's, you know, I have so much compassion for for someone in that position. And so I'm just grateful to be able to maybe share some ideas and some, you know, principles and some gospel principles that will really help 
people maybe look at this differently that will help them move forward in this process. I really like that you say gospel based because mm-hmm. that that's what this podcast is generally about. I mean, we can we can find happiness, but we're only going to find true joy when we're allowing God to be part of the process in everything that we do. And I know you have a pretty incredible story, and I would love it if you would share a little bit of your background uh, and how you got to this point in your life. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I always started off by I wouldn't be sitting here had it not been for what I um, did when I was 11 years old. I actually took my first drink of alcohol when I was 11 years old, and I, I didn't get drunk or anything, but I fell in love with the rush of it. And I learned at a very young age that I had this all or nothing mentality. And that can be a really good thing if it's obviously directed for good, but it can also be a very destructive thing if it's something, you know, directed for, you know, something that's negative. And um, this kind of opened the door for me. I I, I didn't grow up in the gospel. We didn't believe in God. We didn't talk about God. We never, matter of fact, my dad and my mom were, you know, just not, they weren't religious and we just, you know, didn't grow up that way. You know, my parents were very loving and kind and I knew that they, they were great to me that way, but we just never talked about heavy issues and, you know, drinking was just around my house and um, my family and my friends. And that's just kind of seemed normal to me. And so when I uh, turned 13, that's when I uh, realized that I wanted, so basketball, I got to tell you this, basketball was like my passion growing up. So that was like, in my mind, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a college scholarship. I wanted to play in the pros. And I knew that I was going to have to work really, really hard to make that a reality. And at a young age, seventh and eighth grade, I started practicing basketball two or three hours every single day. And that's a lot for a young kid. And, but I was... Yeah. And I, but I was obsessed with it and, and that was my dream. And so my goal was to make the freshman team in high school, which I did. And, um, you know, there's 18 kids on the team, which meant I didn't get to play very much, which kind of frustrated it. But I, I just, it just fueled this desire to even work even harder. And so that's what I did. Well, the end of my freshman year, I got invited to go to Bear Lake with a friend of mine and we went up with his family. And when we got to the campsite, everyone pulled away, got out of the car, and my friend held me back in the car uh, and waited for his family to walk away from the car. And he grabbed out of his backpack a quarter ounce of marijuana. I had never seen it before. And uh, he he told me what it was, and he says, you're going to love this. I'll never forget him saying that. And and I did. We, We ended up smoking it, and I got high, and I fell in love with it. And that all or nothing mentality kicked in. And that's what I started doing from that day forward. Every single day I was smoking. Um, a week later, I got drunk for the first time and I fell in love with that. And so I, for the, from that time moving forward, you know, freshman year, I was smoking pot every day and drinking on the weekends. I was still practicing two or three hours every single day of basketball. So everything seemed fine. My sophomore year, I ended up making the starting point guard. And we took first in state. I played some varsity that year. And I led the sophomore team in every category. And then junior year, we took second in state. I led the team in every category again. And then my senior year, I was voted team captain with two other guys. And we took first in state again. 
And so we just had an incredible run. But, uh, you know, jumping back a little bit after, you know, I got bored with just smoking pot and drinking and that led, that just opened the door to everything else under the sun. And I just got involved with every other drug out there at the time. It was speed and cocaine and mushrooms and cough syrup. And I, I just, I was just going down this path that I didn't realize at the time, but I started getting this reputation as a partier, which I embraced at the time. I thought it was cool. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I had friends because of it. I was getting friends to do it with me. And so everything seemed fine. But my senior year is when things started to change. I noticed this voice in my head. And we all have this voice, you know, even little kids do. I had it as a little kid. But for some reason, my senior year, this negative voice in my head that was telling me that I was no good. I was pathetic. I'll never make it. No girl will ever want to date me. And I was really just a depressed, miserable person. Jumping ahead. After you took state my senior year, I got offered a full ride scholarship uh, in college. And that was one of my goals. And I was like, I was so ecstatic. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And once I got that uh, secured in my hands, that was so I thought, I started partying like I've never partied before in my life. And things got so out of control. I started practicing with the team I got the scholarship with. And then the coach pulled me into his office. And he sat me down and he just looked at me and said, what's going on? And when he said that, I knew I was in trouble because mentally, physically, spiritually, I was a complete mess. Mm-hmm. And I told the coach, hey, I'm, I know I'm not playing well. I'll try harder. And he just said, Todd, you know, we, I don't have time to mess around. And I don't, you, I, you know, you're not the same player that I, you know, wanted on the team for some reason. I don't know what's going on with you, Todd, but you better get it figured out. And I'm taking away your scholarship. And when that happened, I was just devastated. I became this angry, depressed person. I was drinking heavily at this point. I I was an alcoholic and drug addict at this point in my life. And I was just really depressed. I was suicidal. Um, I tried out at several other colleges. And then um, I remember sitting in a, a house with five other guys. And I just remembered reality hit me upside the head saying, you know, basketball is no longer part of my future. Well, jumping ahead a little bit, uh, so I don't take this whole time sharing my story, but I had decided that I was going to end my life Um, because to me, if basketball wasn't a part of my life, I just thought, what's the point in living? And I just didn't want to move forward. And so I decided to end my life. And I was at school one day or the the same day, the next day, excuse me, that I was going to go do this. And I was sitting in the cafeteria at the school and there was these two LDS girls sitting next to me. And mind you, I'm not, I'm not religious. I don't know anything about religion. And I'm sitting next to these two girls in my own head thinking about, I'm going to go end my life. And I overhear these two girls talking about fasting and prayer. Never heard it before. And for some reason, the word fasting just hit me right between the eyes. And I was like, what is that? And I didn't even know what it meant. I honestly didn't. I knew what prayer was. But I didn't know what fasting was. And so I, I, I built up the courage. I just thought, I got to ask them what that is because I couldn't get it off my mind. And I, these girls, as they walked away from the table, I followed them and I tapped them on the shoulder. And I said, hey, were you guys just talking about fasting and prayer? And they said, yeah, like, why do you want to know? <laughs> and 
And I'm like, no, because I, I used to just tease them about their religion. And so I think they might have thought I was going to mock them or something. But mm-hmm. I said, no, I'm serious. I have no idea what that is. Can you explain that to me? So they went on to explain that, you know, in our religion, we we fast once a, uh, once a month. We start with a prayer. We go a whole day without food and water. We end with a prayer. And as they're explaining this to me, I'm thinking, what's the point of this? And <laughs> and one of the girls, when I said that to her, she points right in my face and she said, if you want help from God. And boy, that just, again, hit me right between the eyes. And I just told him, thank you. But as I walked away, I thought, is there a God and would he help me? And so I decided to actually try to fast and pray instead of ending my life. And so I did that. I fasted and prayed. I asked God for help. Um, I didn't get immediate help, but about a month later, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who God worked through to be an answer to my fast and prayer. And it was one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had. And um, when that happened, I decided, and there was a bunch of other things that happened around this, and I I won't go into all the details. Needless to say, I started meeting with a bishop who ended up becoming my rehab. And this guy, his name's Bishop Taylor. And this guy was my counselor, my rehab advisor. And he, he along with a couple others, saved my life. And, uh, and so at that point, I decided I was going to dedicate my life to helping other people. And that was 31 years ago. I've been clean now and sober for 31 years. Well, and I've congratulations. been... Thank you. And so you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of my story. And I've been really dedicated to helping people not just overcome addiction, but overcome their limiting belief system and their irrational belief system, because drugs and alcohol were just the symptom. They weren't really the problem. The problem was I had this belief that I wasn't good enough. And I also had a belief that I was different, so I can't connect and that my problems were too big. And so I have found that those are the those are the same beliefs that most everyone struggles with and so I've dedicated my life to helping others and in that realm and here I am today talking to you guys so I feel again very fortunate. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Your story has touched so many people and I know when I was on my mission I shared the Mormon message with so many investigators and so many recent converts and <laughs> it was always like a spiritual highlight of the lesson, just such an amazing, incredible story. And we appreciate you so much for sharing that, not just with us today, but in that message, because I know it's touched so many lives. And I know something for me that I've always loved about your story is the fact that you were brave enough to seek God out and the, the little seeds that God gives us when we truly seek him out and look for help. I always thought it was incredible. I don't know if you probably consider this because it's your story, but when you fasted and prayed, you talked about how you didn't get an answer, but you didn't want to kill yourself anymore. And yeah. I always thought that that in and of itself is an answer right there, a small answer of God being able to touch you and, and kind of bring you back closer towards him. And wow, that, those little things. Yeah. Well, that's very well said, Brianna. And I never even thought of it that way until this very moment, honestly. And so thank you for bringing that to my awareness. And you're right. That truly was part of the answer already. And so thank you for pointing that out. That's powerful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think that this is such an interesting story because um, we're talking about here how our beliefs dictate our, our the way we date, you know, and our, and our behavior. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is like, it's not, it's not religion that changes your behavior. 
because it's not that you grew up like without God that changed your behavior. It's that faith and testimony that you were lacking in in those qualities and traits that a certain religion brings that right. brings the best out in you. Because there's plenty of people we know who are Christian or, um, you know, other religions who still struggle with plenty of things and drugs and alcohol yeah. and abuse and all this stuff. And it, it was, it was gaining that true testimony and understanding that God loves you and wanting to follow him because he saved you that gave yeah. you this conviction to give up those things and seek a better, a better life. And in seeking that better life, that's what, that's what changed your behavior. And think about how the whole rest of your life before this and the whole rest of your life that you've lived so far after that are almost complete parallels as a person. Right. Another, yeah, very great point, Jerry. And I appreciate you sharing that as well. That's that, that really opens my eyes as well. But again, it's amazing, you know, how powerful that experience was. And it's just taught me so many amazing principles and, and meeting with thousands and thousands of clients over, over that 31 year period. I have learned so much and my testimony has grown so much over it's been, it's been tested. It's been tried. It's been all, but at the end of the day, man, I'm telling you, um, God, God loves us and he's real and he's there for us. And so I, again, I just feel very fortunate that I'm here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also to add on to that, God gives us that sense of identity and worth as a person, which really helps us be able to move forward out of the dark spots that we find ourselves in our life or the you know states of confusion that we can find ourselves in because if we can hold to that identity that God gives us as his children and as loved people and beloved people here all of us on this earth it helps us be able to i guess trust in him and be able to trust in the process and and yeah. the lives that we're living so Todd how old were you when you met your wife um i was 23 years old when i met her and wow. I was about a I was about a year clean at that point, year maybe a little over a year, clean. Um, I got clean in between twenty two and twenty three years old, and then I met her after the after I was twenty three. I think it was close to a year that I had been clean when I met her. And how did that dating process go from the moment you met her? How'd you meet her, and then how did all of that <laughs> end in marriage? Yeah, no, thank you. That's a great question. So. Um, you know, I, I, I live in Utah, and obviously you got the University of Utah here and also uh, Brigham Young University, and both those universities were doing a combined activity slash dance up at Snowbird. It's a ski resort here in Utah, and a, a friend of mine invited a big group of uh, a bunch of other people to head on up there in a group to go to this dance, and my wife, her name's Bonnie, and she was in that group. I didn't know her, but we went up in this group. There was probably about 10 of us. If She happened to be part of that group. And so we went up to this dance, and I'm, I, I don't like to dance. I really don't. <laughs> um, I, I don't mind slow dancing, but I'm not a very good dancer. And uh, I used to, when I was drinking a lot, I would dance, but I didn't care at that point. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um but so I'm up there and I basically was just people watching, just watching people dance. And then the very last dance was a slow song. And my wife, not at the time, obviously, came up and asked me to dance. And so she asked me to dance and we danced. This was in September. And 
we uh, so we we danced, you know. And I thought she was really pretty and beautiful, and but nothing came of it. We we left that, and nothing happened. And then uh, the same friend that put this group together to go to this dance, um, when December came around, end of December, he had a ho- like a holiday party uh, between uh, Christmas and New Year's, and we were there, and she happened to be there as well. And my my friend who lined this party up came up to me and said, "Hey, Bonnie wants you to ask her out." so I was scared to death, but anyway, I walked, walked up up to her and I asked her out and we started dating. And I'll tell you, it was just like, we, we didn't miss a day from that point forward. So we dated every single day until the middle of February. So a month and a half later, we got engaged. We got engaged the middle of February. We were married in June and pregnant in July. (laughs) Oh and, wow. <laughs> and and that was 28 it'll be 29 years in June and you know here we are four kids later one grandchild one on the way and and so but dating her was I just you know I it's it's hard to say this because it's there's there's a there's an old statement that says the greater the darkness the greater the light mm-hmm. and I was in such a bad place before I ever met her and not that I was dating per se bad girls or anything like that. It was just, I just was in a really dark space. But when, when I had this experience uh, of, of fasting and prayer and having it answered, I had just really started turning my life around. And when I met her, it was, it was almost like heavenly father saying, this is the one. And I, I knew it almost like instantly that this girl is going to be the one I'm going to marry. It was just one of those, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was just so amazing. And so, but dating her was great. She was just, we just connected and it was just a really neat experience for me. So were you, were you dating any other girls before that? Like, were you going up to that dance in a dating mindset or were you just still kind of in this place where you were still trying to find where you belonged and and so forth? No, I was dating like crazy. I, I was, (laughs) I was dating a lot of girls because I figure you know, you got a better chance of finding someone when you're dating a lot. And, uh, but I, I wasn't a fan of dating, to be honest. I think like most people, we struggle with it. It's like, you know, we go on these dates and I mean, many of us, if we're being honest, we'll, you know, we can be 15 minutes into the date and we know we already want to go home and mm-hmm. <laughs> not that that person's bad per se, but there's just isn't chemistry there's or something. Not, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I was dating a lot and, uh, but uh, when I met her, I, I, I knew she would be the one moving forward. Which I think speaks a lot to what you were doing before her, though, because you were dating so many other girls, you knew what you were looking for. You were able to kind of hone in. And I feel like yeah. that is also what could have helped you decide that she was the one is because you dated all these girls before and they didn't, you didn't feel that same connection that you felt with her. And you were able to recognize that right off the bat because you had witnessed your connections with multiple other people beforehand. So I, exactly. I definitely think that helped you a lot probably in your process but I do have another quick question not all of our listeners struggle with drugs or alcohol or those kinds of things but a lot of them struggle with you know depression anxiety eating disorders that all of those other struggles that are out there as well how was it dating someone did you feel I guess did you struggle with worrying that you wouldn't be enough for her and how did you overcome those feelings just knowing your past and the past struggles you'd had yeah, you know, it's a great question, uh, Brianna. I think everybody on some level struggles with the belief that I'm not good enough. 
And, and what underlies that is that we think human value fluctuates. We think that if we make a mistake or we don't do something right, that our value as a human being goes down. And so we think that we have to be doing a certain thing. We got to be living almost perfectly. And this happens a lot in the gospel and, and not it's, I, I think it, and it's, it, it's innocent because we want to do good. We want to, we want to do the right thing. And we want, we want our father in heaven to, to know that, Hey, we are, look at me, I'm doing really, really well. And then when we make a mistake, we think almost like, you know, heavenly father's like an umpire, like strike one, strike two, strike yeah. two, you're out, you know? <laughs> When in reality, you know, he has nothing but compassion and love for us as we're going through this process. And so I just think, you know, that belief of we're not good enough really can can really hinder us as human beings and in life in general. But since we're talking about dating, it can really hinder us with dating and how that experience goes. And so I think one of the things I'm really good at is helping my clients, you know, overcome those kind of that kind of belief when they're dating and it really makes all the difference in the world. So knowing those things and, and, and coming together and creating this topic of how our belief system, you know, helps us determine how we behave and how we look at dating and is dating good and bad and all that. Like what more, what more, what more do you have to offer on that subject? Well, so I had an opportunity. I, I've had several opportunities to speak at, uh, these uh, single retreats for for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I had a, an experience at Huntington Beach, California, speaking to a bunch of singles uh, in our church. And I, I asked them this question right off the bat. I said, how many of you hate dating? And every hand went up. <laughs> and, I, and I just pointed out, then you're always going to hate dating. And what that does is it forms this belief. And when we hate anything, we give our power away to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and and I get it. It can be really frustrating because we're trying so hard and things maybe don't work out exactly like we think they're going to work out. But when we start hating it on some level, we're giving away our power. And it forms this belief that dating's a, a, a chore. It's difficult. The, the odds of me finding someone are slim to none. And that becomes our belief system. And belief dictates our behavior 100% of the time. So if I believe that my behavior is going to mirror it and therefore I'm not going to maybe attract the right person in my life or I'm going to attract the wrong person and it's going to be a frustrating process. And so what we have to do is start telling ourselves that I love dating, even if you don't in the beginning when you say that, because people started laughing when I said, okay, imagine you just said, hey, I love dating. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, And just by saying that, you know. Sports science, sports scientists have proven that when we say something else out of our mouths that's negative, it's 10 times more powerful than we when we think it. And we almost like make it almost manifest and make it come to pass when we say something negative. And so we have to be very careful on how we talk to ourselves. And so with my clients, what I'll do is I'll I'll have them write down like 10 things they could say positive about dating. And they have a really hard time doing it, actually. But once they get there, this becomes kind of like, this is going to be your mantra. This is going to be your narrative. Because the most powerful force in the human psyche is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And so we got to be very careful of what that story sounds like. And so I would challenge your listeners that if they are struggling in this realm, 
to write down 10 things positive about dating, even if they don't fully believe it yet. And that's okay because we have to start somewhere. It's like we got to act as if until we become. And so that's a really good, simple yet powerful way to get started. I love that. And I, I love the whole manifestation and visualization. I remember I did track and field in high school. I wasn't any star by any means, but I remember they would have us for hurdles. They would have us sit down in the position of how you jump over the hurdle and imagine that you were jumping the hurdles. The reason they did that was because it stimulates the same regions in your brain as if you were actually doing the movements. And I can imagine it's the same thing with manifesting in and telling yourself that you love dating, you're go- if you think about it and think about how much you love it and think about good things about it, you're going to help build that foundation for positive experiences to happen and for you to be able to recognize them and actually start enjoying them. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because our, our brain and central nervous system does not know the difference between a real event or if we vividly visualize it. They call it synthetic experiencing, and it's a technique that every Olympic athlete uses. And so I love that because what I help, that's the other thing I help my clients do is I have them spend, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a day, honestly, visualizing that they're dating and they're going to find the one or that they're experiencing something really good and to get really vivid around that. And I have people come back and say, I thought you were crazy, Todd, when you told me to do this, but I've been doing it and it has changed everything. And so that's a very uh, great point, Brianna, that you bring up. Yeah, thank you. That it is a really good point. I, that idea of manifestation and and perspective shift, and which is something we're always talking about on on this podcast. And we actually had somebody who wrote into us recently and was talking about their struggles with our challenge to do three dates, uh, three dates a month. Todd probably doesn't know about that. So we challenged our listeners at the beginning of this year to go on okay. three dates every month. Or at least attempt to. So at least invite someone on a date or three different people on a date three times a month to try to encourage them to get out there and actually meet people and make those connections. We've encouraged people to to write into us and tell us how they feel about that as as well as uh, some extra podcasts we've spent talking about how to overcome challenges of that. And we continue to get them. And one thing that we had said recently was, you know, possibly changing your attitude from, I know I'm dating to get married to, you know, I'm dating to find someone that I can have fun with and make a connection. And from my own experience that when I was starting to struggle with dating a little bit, I kind of curbed my personal feelings about me being frustrated with girls and changing it to, you know, one of the reasons I date is because I'm helping to fulfill a commandment of God. And also, I really want to have kids. And I can't have kids until I find an amazing woman. So it, it helped encourage me to continue to date because I couldn't get to that stage that I really wanted without dating. And so it's like trusting and enjoying the process. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so like if you find yourself getting stuck in this certain system that's making you become more negative and find a way to, to flip it or reinforce uh, your idea of why dating is good. Well, because I think lots of times, especially in these times when we're dating or going to college or trying to establish ourselves in whatever manner, we always tell ourselves we'll enjoy life when we get to this certain spot in life. When we're married or when we have our first kid or when we buy our first house with our family, all of those things, we tell ourselves that's when I'll be happy. That's when I'll enjoy life. But in reality, we're just going to keep on pushing that 
that end goal further and further. And so it's a whole matter of learning to love where you're at and love what you're doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. That uh, I'll, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if is the probably number one cause of depression. And so I love that you said that guys. And, and I love your challenge because it, it reminds me of, you know, you know, faith without works is dead, right? So faith with works must be alive then because there's opposites and everything. And so if I'm going to, if I want to find someone that's going to be my soulmate and then I'm going to go to the temple with, I better put myself out there because I really believe this, that when Heavenly Father sees me putting in the effort, that's when he's going to send the blessing. It's not the other way around. You know, I can't sit here on my couch wishing I was dating, wishing I had someone, but I'm not doing anything about it. And, and I don't say that I don't say this uh, to try to be insensitive because I know a lot of people struggle and they worry and, and they, they're fearful of it. But we do have to just step, step into that darkness for a minute and do our best to, to get ourselves out there. So that's a really good point, Brianna, that you brought up. And did you have anything else that you wanted to add on that topic of, of how yes. to change your perspective? Yes. I want to share something with your listeners about the power of prayer and then maybe even the way, maybe help help them pray differently from this point forward, from, from, from now on. And I'd love to share a little story around that if we have time. Yes, we do. Okay. So this, this is so amazing and this will tie in, but I, I want to share the story because the story is so powerful. So I, I was dealing with a, a, a client of mine. She was a heroin and meth addict and she, um, had gone to nine treatment centers she was in coming in and out of jail. She had been to prison. She lost the custody of her two kids. And when I saw her for the first time, she looked like what a typical heroin and meth addict would look like. She was skin and bones. She had sores all over her face, all over her arms and legs. I mean, when I saw her, I honestly went, how is this woman breathing? I can't even believe she's alive, right? Well, so she she was one of my clients. And I started working with her and it was probably like our second or third session. I get a knock on the door uh, to my office and I open up the office door and there she is and she's crying and she is not only crying, she is very, very upset. She's, she's dropping F-bombs. She's swearing up and down, sits down on the couch and she's just basically almost screaming at me. And so I closed the door and I said, what happened? What's going on? And she looks at me and she goes, I hate you. I hate this place. I just want to get out of here and go get high. I can't do this anymore. And again, I said, what happened? And she said, Todd, for the first time in the longest time, probably the first time ever, Todd, I actually said a prayer this morning. And I asked God to help me have a good attitude today. And she goes, it has been the worst day. I've had the worst attitude. And she literally looked up at the ceiling and said, thanks a lot, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and I and I I did I I chuckled I really did I started to laugh a little bit she's like why are you laughing at me and I said I go because I think you've got it all wrong and she looked at me and she said what and I said okay I'm going to share something with you that's going to change your life and it and but I'm not going to share this with you if you're going to leave and go get high tonight you got to promise me you're going to stay and and if you will if you'll commit to that I'm going to share this with you 
So in my mind, I'm going, come on, you can do this, you know? And, mm-hmm. and she, she goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stay. And I said, okay, here's what I, so I said, you said a prayer this morning and ask God for a good attitude, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, what were you expecting? And she looked at me like deer in the headlights, kind of like, uh, what do you mean? I go, no, what were you expecting? Again, she couldn't answer it. So I answered it for her. I said, were you expecting God to come down and hand you the good attitude? And she says, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I said, this is where you're wrong, but I'm going to, here's what I want to share with you. I said, tomorrow morning, I want you to get up and I want you to say the same prayer you did this morning, but here's what you're going to do different. I want you to believe the moment you asked for it, you just received it. I go, did you do that this morning? She said, no. And I go, I'll even walk you through it. Here's what it would sound like in your prayer. I said, you're going to say, dear God, please help me have a good attitude today. And oh, and by the way, God, thank you so much for giving this to me. Amen. And I said, if you really believed you received it, the moment you asked for it, how would you act? And she looked at me like, well, I don't know. I'd probably smile. I'd probably have a good attitude. And I went and stood her up off my couch and I put a little, give her a little push out the door. And I says, I'll see you tomorrow at 430. <laughs> and so I sent her on her way, right? Well, the next day comes and uh, she didn't leave and go get high, which was a good sign. So I thought, okay, that's, 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 that's looking good. Well, 4.30 comes around, uh, last, last appointment of the day for me. I get a knock on the door, open up the door, and there she is again, and she's crying. But I can tell these are different tears. And I'm telling you, this woman, it, you know, have you ever cried so hard that you feel like you're cleansing your soul? This, I could tell, was one of those soul-cleansing cries. She sits down on the couch, puts her face in, the, in her hands, and just sobs. And I just let her go. I don't say a word. This goes on, honestly, for almost five minutes. She finally composes herself, and I said, what happened? She said, Todd, I witnessed a miracle today. I said, tell me about it. She said, I did what you said. I got up this morning, and then I got on my knees, and I asked God, will you please help me have a good attitude today? And then she said, and by the way, thank you for just giving it to me. Amen. She goes, I stood up from the prayer, and she goes, I'll be honest with you. That self-doubt creeped in, like, this isn't going to work. This is stupid. And then she said, no, if I, have, if I really believe I just got it, how would I act? So she said good morning to her roommate. She got ready for the day. She didn't normally get ready. She went downstairs, had breakfast with everybody, um, did her chores. She goes, I was hugging people, Todd. And she said, I felt God walking next to me. I felt his grace bearing me up. And then I handed her a scripture. It's in Mark eleven twenty four, and it says this, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. She reads this and starts crying even more. And she goes, Todd, that's exactly what happened today. I go, I know, exactly. And then I shared one last thing with her. I shared this. I said, um, expressing thankfulness in advance is the way of all masters. So don't wait for a thing to happen and then give thanks. Give thanks before it happens and watch energy swirl. To thank God before something occurs is an act of extraordinary faith. And that, of course, is where the power comes from. And I'll tell you, I learned this a long time ago about expressing thankfulness before I receive something. 
as a way of showing my Father in heaven that I trust that you're sending it. And I'm telling you, this woman, she's been clean off of heroin and meth for six years. She um, got the custody of her two kids back. If you guys saw a picture of her now, if you were to sit with her, you'd go, this is the woman you were talking about that looked like she was going to die? Yes, this is the one. And she'll say, that was the day that changed her life forever. And she prays like that all the time moving forward. And so I will challenge anyone to put this to the test, that if you thank Heavenly Father before you receive it as a way of showing, I believe you, I have faith in you, I know you're going to do it. It is unbelievable. I put it to the test every day, and it's unbelievable. And so that's what I wanted to share with you guys. That's incredibly awesome. I, I think that's definitely something that I want to implement in my own life. And when I think about it, as you said that, that's not that different than some of the conversations we already have in our daily life. Like right. if, if I see Brianna, I said, hey, do you mind washing that dish for me? Sometimes I'll say, thanks, and then walk away. But she hadn't even done it yet. Yeah. Like that's something that we do in our own conversation totally. all the time. We're just like, hey, thanks. And they haven't done anything. Right. And so like that, that right there, like you said, is the trust that they're going to do it. And you're expressing your gratitude and confidence in them before they did it. And also how much more willing somebody is to do something for you after you already said thank you. Also, how much more do you think she noticed throughout her day, his hand in her life, helping her have a great day because she was grateful from the start? I feel like a lot of times we ask for things and then we don't really notice when God blesses us with stuff because we're not looking for him and his yeah. hand in our life throughout the day and the little tender mercies that we have. But because she started off the day asking for and then thanking him and trusting that he was going to bring her that joy throughout her day, she was already watching for that and actively participating in it as well, not just waiting for it to fall into her lap. That was totally. an amazing story. I don't know about totally. you. I was over here. I was getting it. I didn't have dry eyes. That's all I'll say. So that was a wow. great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. No, you bet. And it just reminds me of the late Gordon B. Hinckley said, when you pray, expect an answer. And I, I heard when he said that, I was like, I've never forgotten. It's like tattooed on my brain. And mm-hmm. so I've really put that to the test. When I pray, I expect an answer. And I prayed honestly for my wife. I, I prayed and and I went on several dates that didn't work. And I'll tell you, I I know Heavenly Father is mindful of our desires. He wants us to connect. He wants us to be with someone. But he also expects us, I really believe this, to do our part. And that's why I love your challenge. Hey, go on three dates, commit to three dates this month. And that's showing Heavenly Father you're committed to trying to do something on this. So I don't know. You guys are giving some really good insights as well. So this has been a great conversation. So I have a question. So if our listeners are wanting to take initiative and action on your invitation to express gratitude, what would they pray for particularly? Do you think in, in this dating phase in their life, would they say, ask the Lord to help them enjoy this stage of their life? Or would they ask the Lord to help them enjoy dating? How would you think that they should phrase that to help them, I guess, feel the most? the most gratitude and I guess success with this? Yeah. Great question. And I think all the above, honestly, I mean, you know, I, I was praying back in the day, you know, it feels like back in the day, this really dates me, but (laughs) um, I've been married for a minute now, but I would honestly pray um, that heavenly father would send someone that I could marry. 
that would be my wife that I could go to the temple with. And I didn't understand this principle that I just taught just a minute ago back then. But but looking back on it, even though I didn't understand the principle, I was actually doing it without even realizing it. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. like, because I just had this experience of Heavenly Father answering my prayer through that, through that fast and prayer answering me and saving my life. I just expected it was going to happen. Yes. But it hasn't always happened that way for me. But I do believe that you can, I think Heavenly Father wants us to be very specific. You know, one thing you could do is you could write down what are the 10 qualities you want in a spouse? What do those look like, you know, and write those down and then pray specifically, Heavenly Father, I have written down these uh, characteristics that I would I, I would like in a, in a spouse. And I, I, I want to ask you to send this person in my direction. And I believe that you're hearing me and I believe that you'll send her my way or him, depending on if you're male or female. Right. And. And then thank you for doing that for me. Just like we talked about, thank you for sending that my way. And then expressing gratitude and and thankfulness that, that you're going to do that and how amazing you are. And so, but you, you can do anything with it, whether it's dating or anything else, but just be really specific with what you want. And just like, you know, you two are married, obviously you and, you know, Brianna and Jerry, you guys are married. When you guys are communicating with each other, you you know it helps when you guys are very specific of what you need or want and so and then either one of you can help based on how you guys understand that i think heavenly father is the same way he's looking at us what do you want even though he already knows what he wants but he, i think he wants us to articulate it we always tell our listeners unvoiced expectations lead to resentment and i think it's the same with god too we always just expect totally. things to go our way and perfectly yep. but we also don't think we need to lean on him or ask for things at all from him or be specific because he knows what we need right so totally. I, I feel like that fits perfectly in line with that with god we should voice our expectations and our desires as well and yeah. be grateful about it and humble but also let him know what we need and not be yeah. afraid to use our voices to ask for those things I just thought of something to expand further on this concept here. And, you know, of course, we're talking about praying in the morning. And as growing up as a member of the church, you know, you often hear something like, make sure you say your morning and night prayers. And for the longest time as a kid, I thought that's all I really needed to do. Yeah. Like if I said my prayer in the morning and I said my my rote prayer at night, you know, as a kid, just over and over again, (laughs) like then that's then that's good. Like, and it is, don't get me wrong, but yeah, excelling to a higher standard and a higher spiritual plane means you're praying more than that. So not only past that, now you're praying for all your meals and then extending further than that. Now you're praying at, you know, five twenty-five on a Wednesday, just because you're sitting in your car and you want to talk to God. Like right. there, there are so many ways that we can improve our spirituality and I know for me, there was a point in my mission where I had said, you know, I just want to pray every hour, like every hour. Oh, crap. It's hour time, like time to pray. <laughs> I almost forgot. Like right. I told God I wanted to pray every hour and to communicate. And then I found myself praying within those hours and I started to enjoy having that prayer in my heart and literally walking with God in my heart and talking to God and talking about it now makes me think about it and say, I need to go back to that because I don't <laughs> I don't pray as much as I as I used to. And and if you have a goal that you make in that morning where you have this belief that I'm going to have a good day and I thank you for giving me a good day, yeah, I think God would love for you to check in with him at an hour mark, you know, or a little bit down the line and say, 
hey, I'm still having a good day. Hey, thanks again like for giving me a good day. Like yeah. that that continues to progress and continue to be manifested. And that makes me think of that scripture in 2 Nephi 32, verse 9. It says, I say unto you that ye must pray always and not faint. That ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so God's going to give you something that's going to help the welfare of your soul. Right. And I, what I really like is, you know, we, we talk about how we can pray for anything. Obviously, if, if you tell God right now, I, I want a million dollars. Thank you for giving me a million dollars in my bank account already. And then I open it and it's not there. Don't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, because there's, we still do things according to God's will, you know, but if we do things that are, that are really good and, and spiritually driven for us, God, God's right. most certainly willing to give us those things because they benefit you and they benefit him and they benefit sure. his eternal plan. Right. Exactly. I love that. But also you, you can get the million dollars, but it requires work on your part, you know, starting yeah. a business or I don't know, investing or something. You got to start working and putting those works into faith and mixing the two, just like with the woman that you helped. She didn't just sit in her room all day, laying in her bed, expecting a good day to happen. She said she went out and she hugged people and she smiled and she dressed nice. And she took yeah. those steps that helped facilitate that good day and helped make sure exactly. that actually happened. And so God wants to help us, but we also need to do our part of the work a little bit. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. we got to do the work. But if we, if I thank God for uh, him sending my future spouse my way, you know, I better be out dating. I better be out putting myself out there and being vulnerable. And I know it's vulnerable and I know it's at times can be hard, but uh, we, if we believe it's actually coming, it's on its way, but I'm doing my part. I love that. I'm glad we're specifying this, that, but I'm dating, I'm, you know, doing everything I can in my, in my power, but that's what grace is. Grace comes in and makes up the difference. And that's the beautiful thing about the atonement is that because of the atonement, it makes up for where we fall short. And so we're not going to be perfect and that's okay, but we, we just need to do, do, do our best. And, and that should be enough. Thank you so much for that podcast listeners. That's, that's all we can really ask of you is that you try your best out there and, and give your best efforts so that you can show God that you mean business when it comes to dating like yeah. i mean business totally. like i want god and why 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 can't you include this more in your in your prayers like how many of us are looking to date but are actually praying that god will put someone in our path often i know i didn't and so yeah. if that's something that you're that you're bringing to god and being specific about and that's something that's that's on your mind like why wouldn't god want that for you and yeah. you know among among the many things that we talked about today that god can help us with so for that's sure. super amazing. So thanks so much for Todd for sharing those things. And that's You're pretty welcome. much going to wrap up our podcast for today. And uh, we just want to know if there's anything else that you would like to add before we, before we close it out. Yeah. Um, I want to just let your listeners know that, uh, and I know this almost sounds cliche, but heavenly father loves you. He's mindful of you. You know, Neil A. Maxwell said that the gospel is simply beautiful and it's beautifully simple. I think we 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 got to be careful not to overthink all of this. 
and really just trust the process. But I want you guys to know that I love you and I'm grateful to be able to share some things that I've learned over the years. Hopefully it's been helpful for you guys and just, you know, move forward in faith and and just know that uh, you're loved and you're cared about. And and I'm grateful for this opportunity to be on this uh, awesome podcast. Thank you so much. And I know this episode was definitely inspired. A lot of things you said were just incredible. And even notes I made before we started this episode had to do with expressing gratitude for the blessings that you have or you are currently receiving, which I think is kind of crazy considering that was a big point of what you shared with us today. So I know that this is something that God is trying to give us message wise. And we're really grateful for what you shared today. There is a scripture that came to my mind as we were wrapping up here that my mission president always shared with us when I was in the mission. And he always said that if we're doing everything we can and we're striving to be good and to follow the commandments and do what God asks of us, that we almost have a right, like it says in the scriptures, to receive the blessings we're asking for. So if you are doing your very best to meet people, if you're doing your best to follow the commandments and you're really trying, God recognizes that. And he has promised us in DNC, uh, 130, 20, and verses 21, he says, There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Which means that if you're doing your best to find someone, God can bless you and you can request and you can require a blessing for those things that you are doing. So when you pray, exactly like we talked about today, ask God to bless you with someone, help you find someone and help you enjoy the journey and then say thank you and he will bless you with that. And if you think that things like that sound absurd, remember there were people in the scriptures that were like, move mountains and they could move. Like that's, that's in the, that's in the scriptures. And so it's not, it's not crazy for us, but the amount of faith that we hope to gain that God can grant those miracles happen even right before our eyes, because we firmly believe that you know, miracles don't cease to exist today. And he wants to bless us with those, which makes it even better. That's, you know, he wants to make us happy. He wants to take care of us and, and love us if we just let him. Exactly. Okay. Well, Todd, if our listeners want to find you or connect with you, what is the best way to do so? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, social media, I'm on there with my business, which is a really good way. My handle on Instagram is at TS Inspires. You can also email me um, at Todd at ToddSylvesterInspires.com. And you can also reach out. I have a website, ToddSylvesterInspires.com as well. And so either one of those ways you can reach out to me and I'd be happy to hear from you and answer any questions or talk to you. And yeah, I'd, I'd look forward to that. That'd be great. Perfect. We will include all of those in the show notes. And we're just grateful that you were here with us today. It was a great episode. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciated it. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.